Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. So glad you're here with us this morning. And for those of you who might be curious, wondering why I have a gift up here on stage, it's actually a gift for you. Aren't you excited? Yeah, I had people as I was walking in this morning saying, asking me, is that for me? And my answer is, yes, it's for you. And then somebody else, is it for me? Yes, it's for you. It's actually for all of you. And this gift is better than a new phone. It's better than a new car. It's better than winning the lottery. Aren't you excited about that? So you're going to have to wait a little bit for me to tell you what's inside this gift. But if you would, during the service, just kind of let the anticipation build. Like, what could it be? What could this gift be for you? It's pretty amazing. Now, if you're new with us, my name is Trent, one of the pastors on staff here. And we are in part two of a series called Unknown God. And in this series, we are trying to get better acquainted with the Holy Spirit. And the reason we're doing this series is because when it comes to Jesus, it seems like many people, even people outside of the Christian faith, have a a general idea of who Jesus was. We, We have a general knowledge of him. When it comes to God the Father, we have less knowledge. And then when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there are a whole lot of Christ followers who don't know much about him at all. And so for many people, the Holy Spirit is just kind of the unknown God. And the information that we have about the Holy Spirit is often wrong information. Sometimes we think, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit is just kind of a supernatural force in the world. Uh, Some people think the Holy Spirit is just God's spirit, but uh, not a separate being that we can have a relationship with. And then Jesus clarified that last week. In John chapter 16, we heard Jesus teach that the Holy Spirit is a real divine being. And he said to his his disciples, he said, listen, I'm going away and it's good for you that I leave because when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And he described the Holy Spirit as, anybody remember? What was his name? The advocate. Somebody, I think I said, heard paraclete. So yes, both are correct. You both win the prize. So advocate means encourager, comforter, and defender. And, and you remember that the idea that we get is a, uh, a defense attorney stepping up to defend us in a court of law, and the Holy Spirit rolls up his sleeves to strongly defend us and support us. And I hope that this past week you were able to see the Holy Spirit as your defender. Last week, we started by looking at the first place the Holy Spirit is found in Scripture, and that's Genesis chapter 1. And today, we're going to start in the New Testament part of the Bible, where the Holy Spirit came to indwell his followers, and that is found in Acts chapter 2. So actually be in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. If you want to flip your Bibles over there or your smartphones, you can. Verses will come up on the screens. But what I said last week, let me just remind you again, today would be a great day to take notes. So if you need to grab a pen or grab a piece of paper, I think our spiritual growth challenges are in the back of each seating section. You can grab one of those, and there's a spot in the back where you can take notes. You can take notes on your phone. I'm going to cover a lot of information today. And you just might feel like I backed up the dump truck and unloaded it on you. 
So um, I'm going to give you a lot of information. I don't want you to be overwhelmed by the information. If you're taking notes, then you can come back and revisit these notes and kind of absorb this information later. So taking notes would be a great thing. And you need to know that today is an information-based message. Now, one of my friends says, every time you say that, it makes me think it's just going to be a long, boring service. So hopefully it's not a long, boring service. But you need to know we are going to cover a lot of information. And our teaching team works hard to package transformational type messages where we can be transformed by the information that we're learning. Today, we're going to learn a lot of information. And if we learn how to apply it to our lives, it can lead to transformation. So again, we're going to cover a lot today. So here was what was happening before the Holy Spirit came. Jesus, Jesus had risen from the grave. He had revealed himself to many of his followers. And he told his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, he said this. He said, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 8, Jesus said, you will receive, what's that next word? power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And verse 9 says, after saying this, Jesus was taken up to heaven in a cloud. And we're going to fast forward to chapter 2, verse 1. It says, on the day of Pentecost, which Pentecost was a festival that happened 50 days after the Passover, Jesus was crucified on the Passover. So 50 days later, it says, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Verse 5. It says, at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. So that was like saying, these people are from Nowheresville. They're from Hickville, out in the middle of nowhere. Like, they can't speak any other language than, than the, the, the dialect that they have in Galilee. So they're from Galilee, verse 8 says, and we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Verse 12 then says, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? And I, I love verse 13. There's some um, skeptics in the crowd. And in uh, verse 13, the skeptics speak up and say, we figured it out. We know what's causing this. They're all drunk. We get it. They're, they're drunk. Now, I know that drunk people say some interesting things when they're intoxicated. Uh, I'm not aware of anybody who spoke another language that they did not naturally speak when they got intoxicated. I know they speak some interesting languages that are not all that intelligible in those moments. But everybody's thinking, all right, you know, they're just drunk. The apostle Peter stood up and said, they're not drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. It's way too early for that. Kind of like, well, we do that later. He didn't say that. He didn't, he didn't say that. 
He says, too early for them to be drunk. Let me explain what's going on. So he goes back and he draws from an Old Testament prophet named Joel and says, uh, the Old Testament prophet Joel predicted this would happen when he said, in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all people. And that's what's happening. God is pouring out his spirit on everyone. And then he explained to them, Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And he confronts them and says, guess what? You helped the Romans crucify him. So they're listening to Peter. They could have gotten very upset and angry at him. Instead, verse 37 says, his words pierced their hearts. And they said, what do we do? There were 3,000 people who put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior that day and were added to the church. It was a wow moment. So can you imagine if 3,000 people showed up here this morning and said, we've heard about Jesus. We want to learn how to have a relationship with him. What do we do? I would say to you, move over. (laughs) And to them, sit down. Like We'll figure out how to have 10 services if we need to to help you understand how to have a relationship with Jesus and how to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2 records the moment that the Holy Spirit came to indwell and empower his followers. Now, when he came in that moment, he brought something with him. He brought gifts. He brought what are known as spiritual gifts. And the gift of speaking another language was one of those gifts, but actually scripture describes more gifts. There are about 20 gifts listed in four different places in scripture, four different lists. And there may be more than 20. We just know that there are about 20 that are identified. And uh, these four lists in scripture are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28 through 31, Romans chapter 12, 6 through 8, and then Ephesians 4, 11. And if you're writing fast, don't worry, it's on the back of our spiritual growth challenge, so you can get that later, and you can read that on your own. I encourage you to read those lists later this week, maybe later today. Uh, maybe spend some time this week kind of working your way through that on our spiritual growth challenge. We have a Bible reading plan. So if you follow that Bible reading plan, you'll be in these passages. This morning, I'm going to read a couple of these passages. I'm going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So listen to what verse 4 says. It says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. In verse 11, it is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. 
That passage kind of tells us a little bit about some of the gifts that are listed. And then it tells us there's all kinds of different gifts. The gifts all come from the Holy Spirit. Every Christ follower is given at least one spiritual gift. And then the Holy Spirit is the one who decides which gifts were given. Now, here is a list of the gifts mentioned in those four passages. So I'm going to read through this together here. So first we have words of wisdom. We have words of knowledge. We have the gift of faith, the gift of healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, serving, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, leadership, teaching, encouragement, giving, mercy, and then the last five are something a little bit different. They come out of Ephesians chapter four. I'm going to explain these in a minute, but just to highlight what they are, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, and teachers. So that's uh, the gift list in scripture. And what you might notice is you might look through different gift lists and notice like, hey, there's like one that's identified over here. It's got a different word. Well, different Bible translations translate those words slightly differently, but it might be two words describing the same gift. So hopefully that makes a little bit more sense. Now, before I summarize these gifts, we need to understand a few things about them. Number one, the Bible does not give full descriptions of the gifts that are listed. So some gifts seem a little bit more self-explanatory, like maybe the gift of teaching, but a, a special word of knowledge, maybe something where like, I don't know exactly what that means. And so the Bible does not clearly articulate what each gift is is and what it looks like. We may see evidence of it in scripture, but we need to know when we come to the spiritual gifts, we need to understand there may be some things about this gift that we don't fully know. Another thing we need to know that is that spiritual gifts are not natural abilities. So does anybody know someone who is like really good at something? They've been really good at that thing all of their life. Anybody know somebody like that? All right. So that's a natural ability that was given to that person at their birth. But a spiritual gift is given at our spiritual birth. So when someone becomes a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit gives them a spiritual gift and natural abilities and spiritual gifts are different. They may look similar, but they are different. The purpose of the spiritual gift is to help other people and to build the body of Christ. So again, we just need to know that they can look similar at times, but they are separate things. So with that information... Here's a quick summary of the gifts. So the first is a word of wisdom. So word of wisdom is the ability to speak biblical truth into difficult situations. And when we are faced with a difficult situation, we've got a tough decision to make. This is a person you would love to have around you. Someone who's, who's got some wisdom that they can offer into this situation to help you make a decision, a God-honoring decision, and help you move forward through that and past that. So that would be a great person to become a friend with, somebody who has that gift. Another one is a word of knowledge, and that is found in someone who has insight about something that only comes from God. And I actually know a few people that have this gift, and it's kind of an interesting gift in that um, the person, the people that have this gift, they often will get an insight about someone or something that they didn't get anywhere else. It came to them only from God himself. 
And so what I've seen in several situations is I've been in a prayer situation where a group of us were praying specifically for someone. And the person with that gift started praying so specifically, it was awkward. And I'm thinking, hopefully you're right about this, because if you aren't, this prayer session is going to end poorly. Like this person's going to be so offended that you started praying that way and suggesting maybe this is something they're dealing with. And after the prayer time, that person has said, that was something I have been dealing with in my life, and I've not told anybody. And so that information was given to that person by God and God alone. So can you imagine having that spiritual gift at a dinner party? (laughs) Kind of walking around going, oh, wow, the Spirit's giving me some information about you. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, I don't want to know that. Like, that's crazy. So it's an interesting gift. The gift of faith is seen in someone who has strong, unshakable confidence in God, his word, and his promises, regardless of life circumstances. So again, as we go through this list, there are going to be several gifts that you'll say, that's the kind of people I need to have around me. And someone with the gift of faith is someone that you should have around you in your circle of friends. So these are the people that can remind you of what God is going to do no matter what you are facing. These are the people that hold on to faith no matter what, no matter how difficult life gets. And we may look at their situation and say, man, just give up on God. It's so horrible. And they will not. They have such strong faith in God's power, his word, and his promises. And these are people that we need to have around us. Now, the gift of healing is the supernatural ability to heal the sick. And I have to tell you, there is a lot of controversy around this gift as well as several gifts today. There's a lot of controversy where some people say that gift does not exist anymore. Uh, That gift was only used by the original disciples. And then there are people that say, no, that gift is still out there. That gift is still in practice today. Now, for me, I truly believe that God still miraculously heals people. I have seen it. I've seen it with a friend of ours that um, several of us gathered around him for prayer in a moment when the doctor said, uh, if he does survive, he will be a vegetable the rest of his life. Well, that guy's not a vegetable. Um, He has made a recovery and doing very well. And so I truly believe that God still miraculously heals. Now, let me be candid with you. I don't know that I can point at anybody that I personally know that has the gift of healing, that they can go and use that gift to heal people. I've seen a lot of TV services, a lot of uh, TV evangelistic services where Maybe that gift is in action there. Sometimes I I question its legitimacy. Um, But when I step back from the whole subject and I kind of summarize what I see uh, God doing around the world and what I understand in scripture, I believe God still miraculously heals. I believe that gift is still active today. And then I candidly say, I don't know that I necessarily see it a whole lot around me. And you might say, well, you're just in the wrong circles. And maybe that's true. I'm just being candid with you about my assessment of that gift. The gift of miracles is the ability to do miraculous things that 
can only be attributed to God's power and his intervention. And for me, that's similar to the gift of healing. So can I look around and say, hey, I've got a friend and I'm looking at that friend and that friend has the ability to do miracles. Like, wow, like they can grow hair on a bald head, you know, kind of, kind of a thing. Like, can I point at somebody like that? I can't. Does God still do miracles today? Yes, he does. Absolutely. Do we see some of the miracles like uh, we see in scripture in the first century? We don't see them as much here in the United States, but I hear legitimate reports of people who claim miraculous things are still happening around the world. Gift of prophecy. It's found in someone who speaks boldly on God's behalf, pointing people back to his truth in scripture or accurately predicts something that God has said will happen. So when you look at scripture and you see somebody with a gift of prophecy, often they were warning people about what was going to happen if they don't turn to God or turn back to God. Somebody with this gift is passionate about God's truth and defending God's truth and boldly proclaiming God's truth to people who need to be transformed by it. Gift of discernment or discerning spirits is the ability to distinguish between something that is of God and something that is of Satan. And if you were with us over the past weeks, past few weeks, we learned that Satan is the enemy of God and everybody, and he can present himself as the angel of light, and he can deceive people away from obeying God. So somebody with this spiritual gift can step into that scenario Uh, quickly evaluate and determine this is of God or no, this is of Satan. We should not be involved in this. Now, don't we all wish that Adam and Eve had that gift when the serpent came along and tempted them to eat the forbidden fruit? Like life would be different if they would have just went, oh, this is of Satan. Like don't eat the fruit. Uh, But they didn't have that gift. Someone with the gift of serving loves to help people in need or do things that need to be done just because it needs to be done. And often these are the people behind the scenes. They don't care much for being in the spotlight. And as I look around our church family, I see lots of people that have the gift of serving. And it's an honor to serve with you. The gift of speaking in tongues is the ability to speak a known foreign language that the speaker does not naturally speak. And there is a lot of controversy today about the gift of tongues. There are people that say that gift died years ago. It's not in existence anymore. And there are people that say, you know what, that gift is still in existence today. And even those who talk about it still being in existence today argue about what it actually means to speak in tongues. So I'm not going to get into all those debates this morning. Actually, in a couple of weeks, we'll talk a little bit more about what it means to speak in uh, the gift of tongues, to have that gift. The gift of interpreting tongues is closely connected with the gift of tongues, and it was the ability to interpret a known language that the speaker does not know or does not know how to interpret. So if someone was interpreting or someone was speaking in tongues and they didn't know what they were saying, it was helpful to have someone else there who could interpret what they were saying and proclaim God's message of how God wanted to transform someone's life in that moment. Gift of leadership is the ability to lead people and organizations well according to God's principles, and that gift can be seen everywhere. It can be seen in churches, it can be seen in homes, it can be seen in businesses. If if you have that gift, 
then you can use it in any context that you're involved in. The gift of teaching is the ability to teach the word of God by explaining its meaning, context, and how it applies to our lives. And someone who has this gift can make what seems complex a little more understandable and can help us apply it to our lives. The gift of encouragement is the ability to encourage people with God's truth. And these are some more of the people that we should have around us. So when we're going through a difficult time, when we're struggling with something, we're struggling with faith, or we've got doubts, or you know, life is just really hard, having someone around us who can encourage us and remind us of God's truth is often very beneficial, even when they don't do anything to change the situation. They just encourage us, and we feel better about ourselves and what God is going to do in our lives. The gift of giving is found in people who joyfully share what they have with others, whether that's their time, talents, or resources. And I have several uh, friends who have this gift, and it's amazing to watch them in action um, because they naturally do what most of us don't, and that is give. So they don't hold their stuff tightly and say, well, this is mine. Go find your own. Uh, When God gives them something, they say, God has blessed me with it. So here, you have some. And they love to share what God has given to them. And they know that God is going to bless them in return for that. So they hold things very loosely in their hands. And they just allow God to, to take things out and put things in. So it's amazing to watch that gift in action. Gift of mercy is found in people who have deep compassion for people who are hurting. So they have big ears to listen And they have big hearts to help. So that is a very brief summary of the gifts described in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12. And if you are a Christ follower, I believe you have at least one of those gifts. Now, Ephesians 4 describes additional gifts given by God. So listen to verse 11. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. And these gifts are seen more as leadership positions in the church than just a spiritual gift given to a Christ follower in a church context. And verse 12 tells us what these leaders are supposed to do. These leaders have a responsibility to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So church leaders have a responsibility to equip God's people, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Now, in many church contexts, we kind of get that backwards and we kind of think, you know what, we hired church staff to do the work of the ministry. But scripture says church staff responsibility is to help their church figure out how to do what God has asked them to do in their community and in the world. And so that's a responsibility I have as uh, one of the leaders here. And that's a responsibility our staff has as well. All right. Everybody's still okay? You still with me? You still tracking? Need a brain break? Let's just take a, just a brief moment, maybe inhale. And then exhale, kind of shake it all out a little bit. We take a drink of water. We've got a few more things to cover. But I know we've covered a lot of information. Okay. When it comes to spiritual gifts, we have to be careful of a few things. The first thing, or first two things, we have to be careful of gift envy and gift projection. 
So gift envy is when I say, you know what? The gift the Holy Spirit gave me sucks. I want your gift. Like, your gift is great. And gift projection is when I say, you know what? My gift is awesome. Your gift sucks. You should have my gift. Everybody should have my gift. Both of those things are wrong. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, it is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So the Holy Spirit decided which gift you should have. And it's a great gift for you. All the gifts are needed and valuable. And so we need to be careful of gift envy and gift projection. Another thing that we have to be careful of is using our gifts for ourselves. First uh, Corinthians 12, 7 says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can, what's the next few words? Help each other. Sometimes we think the gifts are so we can help ourselves. We think, man, this gift is great. It's for me. Look at me using this gift. It's so awesome. And we try to get attention towards us. And that's a misuse of the gift. We're supposed to use our gifts to help other people. And when we use them that way, we all benefit. So we got to be careful about using the gifts inappropriately. So is anybody curious about what your gift might be? There's like two of you. Okay, three. Um, let me ask this. How many of you would say you know what your spiritual gifts are? How many would you say that? Okay, handful. Decent, decent. And I'm guessing the rest of you are saying, like, I, I don't know. So wouldn't it be awesome if when you became a Christ follower, uh, you received the gifts in this way? One day you come home from work, pull into your driveway, and look over at your front door. Oh, wow, there's a box. And it, it, it's... You know, wrap like this, fantastic. You go up and pick it up and check it out. Oh, it's from God. The Holy Spirit specifically. Wow, this is great. This might be my spiritual gift or gifts. This is awesome. So wouldn't it be awesome if you could open the box and then pull out, look, I have the gift of wisdom. I have the gift of discernment. Man, this is fantastic. Now, let me see here. Oh, look, there's instructions. I'm going <laughs> to unfold this for how I use this thing. Oh, that's great. That would be awesome if that were the case. But we have to discover our gifts. And there are several ways to discover our gifts. The first is to take a gift assessment or a gift test. So there are actually gift tests that have been developed. There's some online. I've put them on our spiritual growth challenge. So if you're curious, you can go home today. You can take a spiritual gift test and you can discover what your spiritual gift might be. So I use that word might because again, the Bible doesn't give us full descriptions of what these gifts are. And sometimes we define them based upon our theological bent. And some tests lean this way, some tests lean that way. So we got to understand that these tests aren't fully accurate, or they may not be fully accurate. They can be a tool to help us on the journey, but they may not give us the full picture. Uh, spiritual gift tests cannot uh, tell us how our gift is used in our unique wiring. So you can see the same gift used in different people, and it kind of look a little bit different. So this spiritual gift test, don't take into account our uniquenesses, our personality, how God has wired us. We have to be careful about that. And then what we can do when we're taking these tests is we can skew them based upon the gifts that we want. So it's possible, I did it last week, 
I sat down and took one of these spiritual gift tests and I answered it in a way that I thought, I'm gonna see if I can get this gift to show up. And I answered the questions in the way that made that happen. So if we kind of think, you know what? I don't, I don't want that gift. That gift's not all that important. I want this gift. This gift is great. You can answer the questions that way and the test will say, hey, guess what? You have this gift. Now, does that mean you have that gift? Probably not. So we have to be honest about giving answers when we're taking those tests. Now, here is the best way to discover what your gifts are. Get active in serving and allow other people to confirm your gift. So get active in serving. Let other people say, yeah, I think that's what you have, or no, I don't think that's what you have. So when we get active in serving, we start learning what we are good at and what we aren't good at. And then other people come alongside of us and confirm what we are good at and what we aren't good at. And so it's super important to have other people on the journey with us, speaking truth to us. And so for me, over the past, um, I don't know how many years of serving and taking different spiritual gift tests, the two spiritual gifts that consistently come up for me are the gift of encouragement and the gift of mercy. And I've had those two gifts confirmed again and again and again by other people who say, yeah, I see that gift in action in your life. Now, over the past 10 years, I've had this spiritual gift of teaching come up, but is that because I have the gift or I do this as a job? You'll have to decide that one. So that's debatable about whether I have the spiritual gift of teaching or not. So if you want to know what your spiritual gift is, get active in serving and allow other people to confirm what your spiritual gift might be. So if you're serving now, I would encourage you, have conversations with people about spiritual gifts and say, hey, like, do you notice any of these gifts in my life? Like, what, what do you think some of my gifts might be or what my gift might be? Have some great conversations with people. If you aren't serving, I encourage you to get active in serving. If you stop by our Connection Center, somebody will help you get connected there and find a place to get started. And as you do that, you can learn what your spiritual gift might be. Now, I want you to imagine something with me. Imagine that somebody super important in your life gives you a gift like this. And you love this person. You're super excited. They've thought about you, and they've given you a gift. How many of you would take this gift, take it to your closet, put it up on the shelf, and never open it? How many of you would do that? I don't think anybody would do that. You might forget you put it somewhere, but I don't know that any of us would purposely do that. But when it comes to spiritual gifts, that's what many of us do. The Holy Spirit gives us a gift, and we go, man, that's awesome. I don't really know what to do with it. I don't know how to use it. I don't even know what it is. I don't even know how to open it. And so sometimes we kind of set it on the shelf, and we don't learn what it is. But I think we as Christ followers have a responsibility to learn what these spiritual gifts are, what our gift might be or gifts might be, and how to use them. They were given to us by God, the Holy Spirit, so that we could help other people and build the body of Christ. And I think one day we will have a conversation with the creator of the universe about how we use the gifts that were given to us. So we have a responsibility to learn what they are and how to use them. Now, I know we've covered a lot of information today, and, and you're going to need some time to absorb it. I encourage you to look back at your notes. 
Um, if you want to listen back to this message again uh, on our website or our iTunes account, you can do that as well. So let's pray, and we'll be done for today. God, I'm so grateful for the information that you've given us in Scripture. And it's just amazing to watch you, Holy Spirit, show up and, and hand out gifts to us. And Lord, like there was much debate back in, in uh, Jesus, your day, even when the gifts were given out, there's still debate today. And Lord, you've called us to learn what our gifts are. You've called us to live in love with each other and to use our gifts to serve other people so that we can advance your kingdom and invite more people into a relationship with you. So Lord, many of us don't know what our gift is. We're not sure how to use it. So Lord, I pray that you would teach us how to discover what our gifts are and how to use them in a way to advance your kingdom. So thank you for giving us the information. Now help us to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.